Well, hello, and welcome to The Insecurity Project. I'm your host, Jamin Fraser, and I am on a mission to end the unnecessary suffering caused by the fear of not being good enough. We've all got it. We've all got to work through it. But thankfully, there is a clear, intelligent, and complete solution to the insecurity problem, and that is what this project is all about. Hope you enjoyed today's program. Hey folks, you're Jamin on the Insecurity Project. It's been a while since I've done a coaching session, um, but often it's requested. It's uh, something that people find very useful, uh, and it requires someone to be quite courageous and vulnerable to put themselves in this position of obviously getting a coaching session, but being willing to have others listen in. So I've got Scott with me today, and Scott's been willing to be that courageous person. Hey, Jamin, how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> Nervous. Nervous? Yeah, great. <laughs> um, you know, I think being nervous is actually really an interesting thing to push into. Um, I think the most meaningful, exciting, memorable moments of life are always preceded by a heightened state. You know, if you weren't nervous if there wasn't something peaking inside you now, well, you kind of would say there's nothing really of value happening. So um, it's like, it's okay to be nervous. And, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is that there's no right or wrong, good or bad. And I don't know whether you've heard me bang on about the idea of the judgment-free space. Yeah. But I think it's just um, it provides a unique opportunity to have a very clean conversation and, and to really get the fact that um, it's your life, uh, you know, I don't have any vested interest in changing your life. My only value is to serve you to get more of what you want. So you can't please me, you can't disappoint me. There's no sense of me um, wanting you to say or do anything. Um, which, you know, I think that's a rare, a rare conversation and it's a, it makes it a safe conversation. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, whether I should be here or shouldn't be here, here's where I am. Uh, let's explore that. And, yeah. and just right. taking that judgment out of the picture, just it enables you to gain self-awareness and you can't change what you can't see and you can't do self-awareness and self-judgment at the same time. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that before. Does that, does that make sense? You can't do judgment and awareness at the same time? Yeah, haven't really, never really crossed my mind, but it kind of makes sense. Well, it's just like if you fear judgment, then it's not safe to give the real answer. You have to give the right answer. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the real answer sort of, might get you in in trouble. Yeah, so kind of um, filtering your answers. You're filtering your answers totally. So yeah. if there's no right or wrong or good or bad, well then you can't get the wrong answer. So therefore, it's safe just to go. Oh, okay, well this is what's happening. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? Is that the right thing? Well, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. And then that just creates this safety to then be curious around your own stuff and to have a look yeah. under the hood and almost be a dispassionate observer to your own life which is an yeah, interesting right. thing to do because so often we're in our own head and we, we're disappointed at ourselves or we're frustrated or we're annoyed or we think, oh, I should be doing better. And just that pressure um, means it's very hard to, to actually get clear about what's going on because there's too much um, fear of getting it wrong or or what you'll discover and what that will mean about you. So all, all yeah. that to say, um, 
you know, I I totally show up with no judgment. I encourage you just to suspend judgment of your own stuff as well and just have fun being curious and exploring what's really going on. Yeah, all right. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Yeah. All right, excellent. Um, so what would make this conversation really useful to you? What What could we achieve in the next uh, little while that would make you think, ah, gee, I'm so glad that I stepped up and took that opportunity? Um, probably if I was able to share things that I've never shared before, sort of, and like you say, look under the hood, so... I'm kind of interested to um, sort of have some realizations of my own, like a cup, like an aha moment, so to speak. Yeah, nice. Um, and if you could get that aha moment and say some stuff out loud that maybe you'd never articulated before, what do you think that would give you? Um, probably some direction. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Sort of direction in, in my life, I suppose. Um, yeah, not saying that I'm completely directionless, but no, probably, sure, probably a bit more like laser focus. Yeah, maybe. so if you had that, like, what would be exciting about waking up tomorrow with some laser focus and some, um, you know, really sharp direction? I'd probably wake up, you know, with a bit more determination to sort of do my best instead of just showing up and. Uh, you know that doing the bare minimum like if I had some direction I'd I'd know what I'm working towards uh, yeah like, sure yeah hard, hard to explain but <laughs> well that's it and again I know words are cheap but you can't get it wrong so um, just have fun just explore words that that help you kind of articulate what's happening, even if they're words you haven't used before or ways you haven't described it. Give yourself yeah. the freedom to just relax into it and uh, yeah, explore this path because it's, it's just such a gift that you give yourself by tapping into desire again. Uh, um, I don't know where you've heard me say this, but the desire is human. Like It's a uniquely valuable, beautiful aspect of being a human being. And most people shut it off a long time ago just because it's also very dangerous and challenging. Yeah. You know, you get clear about what you want and then it puts you in this path of, well, then you got to step out and you got to back yourself and then you could get judged or you could get found out as inadequate or you could have more conflict. There's a lot of pain associated with having laser focus. Yeah. Um, you know, so most will just go, well, I'm just going to pretend I don't really know what I want and shut that puppy down and then you're in survival and then like you said you kind of end up half-assing your way through life not really showing up at all yeah um which which actually is quite dehumanizing it's it's if you if you think about if the desire is human and you shut that down then you are you're in some part being quite cruel and restrictive of uh, an essential element of what it means to be alive so the act of being willing to open that lid again and go, hmm, what, what do I really want here? What would what would excite me? What would put some joy back inside me? What would give me a spring in my step? Uh, it's, a, it's a very kind and loving gift to give yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, ultimately I would, if if I could wake up tomorrow and have that laser focus and that, that passion or whatever for what I'm doing, 
I think it would be having like some clear goals to finally quit my current job and and be home every night because I'm away for half the year. So is that right? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm working fly and fly out. So I'm away from my wife for hmm. half the year at at a at a minimum, sometimes longer. So like I've said it for years and years that my my goal is to be home every night and sleep in my own bed. Um Yeah, wow. So I find myself when I'm out here at work sort of wondering, you know, you get up in the morning you're like, Oh, you know, what how how can I sort of stop this how can I get myself home? Oh wow. And, um so How's that? How long's that been going on for? Uh sort of the 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 negative sort of thoughts of not wanting to do this fly and fly out stuff has been probably I'd say two years mm-hmm. thereabouts. But I've been doing mm-hmm. it for about seven or eight years in total. I've yeah, been doing sure. The fly and fly out thing. Um, well, that must be but, that must be interesting. Like hearing yourself reflect on that now, going, I have this goal to sleep in my own bed, and and then you wake up to a reality that's not that for at least half of the year. Half of the days you wake up, you're, you're not achieving something that's important to you and a real value to you. Um, that must be a bit of a source of pain if you were to really reflect on that now. Yeah. Like um yeah it, it it upsets me yeah and um like even it, it upsets me just to think of like how often something will happen at home and I'm not there you know yeah um like just only well like three or four weeks ago the wife went in for surgery for a gallbladder and yeah I I was at work for it but. I managed to shoot home for for her recovery. Yeah. Um, but then I still had to come back to work, and so she's still not fully recovered. Yeah. And I'm out here, and I can't help. So yeah. it's just little things, you know, like she's not meant to lift up anything over a kilo, and I can't yeah. help because I'm out here. Yep. So, yeah, it, it, it upsets me, and I mm. it's kind of... That we call it the golden handcuffs, where you're stuck out here because of the money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's I want to come home to my own bed, but then there's the fear of um, ending my career, fly and fly out, and then what do I do? Yeah, and then it's you know, can can we still pay the bills if if I end it? end this career and, and try something different, can we still pay the bills? Yeah, sure. Um, we had a bit of a conversation before we hit record just about the fact that, uh, you know, story is, the language of story is something you're becoming more and more familiar with. You mentioned um, Gary Gary V and Kerwin Ray uh, been banging on about story. I'm always talking about story. Um, so the golden handcuffs, that's an interesting story. Yeah, true. Now that you now that you point that out. Um, it's, um, and, 
and and the moment the moment you give it that title, uh, you you do give it some extra power. Yeah, true, true. Never thought of it like that. Well, because it, it just becomes a thing. Then it becomes real. Like, yeah. oh no, no, no. This is it's the golden, it's the golden handcuffs, and you know everyone has this problem. It's the golden. That's what keeps us here. Um, some money. Yeah. And um, so, where does that position the problem? Where, like, so you, if you think about right, you, you're becoming clear about where you'd like to be. Then you've got your your actual reality, which is not where you'd like to be, and it's a source of great pain and and sadness to you. And when you, I'm sure there's days where you just put it out of your mind, and it's too painful to think about, so you just kind of suppress those thoughts. But then here we are now, and I'm dragging all that pain to the surface, and it's making you upset. Yeah. Um, and then so you think, okay, so what's what's in the way? What's what's between where I am now and where I'd like to be? And you go, well, okay, I know what it is. It's, it's the bloody golden handcuff. That's what it is. And so the moment you use that language to describe the problem, where, where have you positioned the problem? It's it's some it's out of my control. Sort of, it's it's yeah. not in, entirely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's another it's like another entity. It, it, for sure, it's another entity. It's a thing. It's a monster. It's a and it's a monster everyone has to battle. And it's how could you ever beat the golden handcuffs? You know, because yeah. they have a life of its own. They have a power of its own. It's a thing that's outside you that you you are a slave to. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and you're right because everyone out here who's you know, quite getting getting later in life, who's still working the the fly and fly out, they're trapped by the golden handcuffs. I'm sure, yeah. and, it, and it becomes it becomes shared language, and it becomes a yeah. story that gains strength because a community of people buy into it, which just yeah. empowers that story even more. And yeah, right. The, the, you know, the beautiful thing about these kind of conversations is straight away uh, you've just got some awareness about something you didn't have awareness about yesterday. Yeah, so you've seen you've seen something that um, wasn't apparent to you. So immediately, what does that scene give you? The fact that you just saw something, like we haven't talked about any change strategies, we haven't talked about any alternatives, we haven't talked about anything other than just, can you just have a look at uh, what's happening for you right now? Uh, just the fact that you've seen something. Um, what does that? What happens inside you when you have that awareness? Um, I kind of be, being aware that it's this thing that we've sort of we we've given it the power. Like yeah, any any of us who talk about it, we've given it the power, and it's really like if if we stopped using that language and and stopped sort of allowing that it's, it's like an excuse more than anything. it's like you know it, it it's an excuse of why we can't change I suppose yeah so why do you think people use excuses for why they can't change by the way any idea no um, is it 
yeah, I don't know. Is it, is it probably they can't explain or they don't want to. They probably don't want to delve too deep into the reasons why. I suppose. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it actually protects people from what they're most afraid of. Yeah. And um, because if that's not the reason why you're stuck there, then well, what why, what is the reason? Is the reason? Why? Yeah. Well, that that's actually a bit scary. If it's not the money, not the golden handcuffs, well, what what is it? And what if it's something that's inside you, not outside you? Um, you know, so people go, oh, I don't, I don't know. That's that's quite terrifying to actually go within and explore what what in my own makeup could be holding me here. I just prefer not to think about that and I'm going to make the problem outside of me, then it's not my responsibility and it's not my fault. No one could accuse me of doing the wrong thing because, you know, I'm here doing this for my family. I'm here trying to get a better life for everyone and, and I'm stuck with the golden handcuffs, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Sure, I'd, sure, sure, I'd love to be home with my family, but so would everyone. It's just not the real world. It's not how it works. You just suck it up and do your time and hope to win lotto one day. That's probably yeah. your only way out. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um. Yeah, you're right. It's if it's not the golden handcuffs, it's. I don't, well, it, at the end of the day, it's really a choice, isn't it? Yeah, it is a choice, which is interesting. Um, you know, because the moment you live with the illusion of no choice, well, you're in quite a stuck situation. Hope, hope evaporates the moment you feel like you've got no choice in this. It is what it is. Um, mm. It's out of your control. At the moment you go, hmm, hang on, I actually created this thing. Uh, so if that was a choice, then then it helps you. Like it's pretty confronting because it, cause it go, kind of goes, well, hang on, what if I am exactly where I have chosen to be? Yeah. What if I'm not just a victim of forces outside of my control? What if I created this story to protect me from what I'm most afraid of? Mm, and that's probably... Um, sorry? Yeah. I think I, I probably keep doing it because I'm afraid of failing at something else. Well, exactly right. That's the point. And, and not just failing. It's what would happen if you failed. What would that mean about you as a person? Yeah. Yeah, True. And then I suppose, so what? So, sorry. Yeah. I, it's kind of like, yeah, well, see, I should have just stayed doing what I was doing. Exactly right. Well, you can't fail. Like, it's, you can't really yeah. fail at what you're doing now. You can do it. You're probably good at what you do. It probably doesn't require a lot of you. You can probably half-ass your way through it and still do it well. Hmm. And whereas if you if you didn't do that and actually listened to your own sense of desire and did something you want, well, what if you failed at that? What if you're not good enough to do that? That's pretty scary. Yeah. And uh, and I, I think I've now that you've put it into in, into words, I'm pretty sure that I've had those thoughts of you know, like I, I want to. Yeah. I. I well, I think I do. I, I think I want to um, quit fly and fly out and start a career in real estate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what if I fail at that? What if I'm no good at that? Yep. And 
now, like having hearing you say it, I know I've had those thoughts. Of, of, yeah, I've definitely thought that. Yeah. So this is interesting, right? Because you know, this is, uh, you know, wisdom from Yoda says, "Named must your fear be before banish it." You can. So, if your fear is of the golden handcuffs, well, good luck trying to beat them. Good luck trying to fight that. That's why most of them are investing their energy. They they got angst towards the golden handcuffs, and it feels like an immovable force anyway. So they give up with a few feeble attempts at fighting against it anyway. Um, but but the idea of going well, hang on a minute. That's actually not your battle. Your battle's never been without. That's been a distraction from the real battle. The battle has has been within you, and the battle is with your own opinion of yourself. Yeah, right. But, like, but interesting. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. I was, I was just going to say, well, how do you? What do you mean, like the battle within yourself? Well, see, you just said that the thing you're most afraid is, what if I step out, do my own thing, and I'm not good enough, and I can't do it, and well, I don't have what it takes. So you're actually most afraid that you don't think you're you're good enough to do what it is that you want to do. Yeah, true. I think that so is your your own that. opinion. I think my wife has said that to me before as well. I doubt myself. Well, that's it. So now this is an interesting thing, right? Because this is a confronting conversation to shine a torch on this, but also incredibly empowering. Because if you can discover where the real problem lies, then if you invest energy in that problem, well, then you have a chance of fixing this. If you're trying to fight a battle in the battle, all energy invested there is wasted and futile and and dangerous because it kind of further enforces this idea that you're stuck and there's nothing you can do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Is this all hitting home? (laughs) It is, yeah. It's, um, It's quite... By opening it, yeah, it's and sort of what I'm what I've got getting so far is that I've basically got to try and not doubt myself, or not even not try. Just I've got to not doubt myself and put in a hundred percent on sort of. Chasing my dream, I suppose. Yeah, well, you, you think about this. Cliche that it is, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've looked at people in in your world, whether you know them personally, whether you, you're just vicariously connected to them, you, you know, and I'm sure you've gone, oh, wow, that person found a way to back themselves and do what they wanted. Um, and I, I reckon you may have even over time observed people who you go, well, I don't know how they pulled it off because I'm clearly smarter than them. I'm clearly better looking than them. I'm clearly more talented than them. But they still found a way to do what it is that they want. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, cool. And so <laughs> it's, so we, we overestimate uh, the role of skill and giftedness and talent um, as the most important thing. It just isn't. It's not... 
like the, the top of any tree and not necessarily the most skillful, the most talented, the most gifted human beings. Um, but they are, without a doubt, the, they are every time people who tell better stories than those who didn't make it. Yeah, okay. They have given themselves permission to do what would excite them. They have faced the fear of not being good enough and gone, oh, yeah, I think I'm actually okay with it. You know, sometimes you look at people and you think they're entirely misguided. You know, they, they're overconfident. They think they're awesome. And I don't know that they are that awesome. You know, but still, their belief about themselves allows them to step into what it is they really desire. And they yeah, find right. a way to make it work. Yeah. Simply because they believe they can. Yeah. And the people who don't believe they can, well, then they stay in situations they don't enjoy, externalising the problem, using blame or excuse, hoping for some miracle to extricate them from that. Um, And even if the miracle comes, like people do win lotto and um, people with golden handcuffs love those stories because it gives them hope that it could happen to them too. Um, But have you ever read the stories about what happens when people win lotto yeah, <laughs> they're back broke or they're probably worse off than before they won Lotto, a lot of them. Well, almost every time, you know, because it turns out it's a it's a curse, it's a lie, it's a trick. It's, <laughs> if you go from being poor to rich overnight and haven't worked out how to be the kind of person who can handle that, it just destroys yeah. you anyway. It's not, it's not the way to get ahead. No. To build your capacity is to be the internally resourced person who can go solve real problems in the real world and have that value recognised. Mm. No, true. Um, so, just to recap the important bit of awareness, the problem's not with the golden handcuffs. Where is the problem? With um, self-doubt and not, not backing myself. That's where it is. It is your, your own opinion of yourself, um, yeah. which is really cool right? because, like this insecurity, uh, it exists inside you and it exists inside your head. Um, and do you know who created it? Yeah, probably myself, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is. It is you. That that was a massive game-changing moment for me when I first uncovered the problem in my life, like what you've just done. I thought the problem was a whole bunch of other things. Um, and then I realised, oh my goodness, I have this fear of not being good enough and it paralyses me when I go to step out and back myself. That's incredible. Um, and then when I went to go solve it, I thought, I, well, well, why do I feel like this? And I just went back to moments of pain and, and moments where I'd been hurt or moments where I'd been misunderstood or moments when other people had taken advantage or, you know, I went back to thinking about the role of others in my world and um, the things people had said or hadn't said. Uh, and I thought, I thought that's why I had this story of not being good enough. Yeah. Um, which I think is very common and makes a lot of sense. But when I really understood the nature of story, it, it totally changed the game for me. Um, I don't know whether you've heard Gary or Kerwin talk about this, but um, you know the idea of being a human being is that we're sense-making creatures, so we go into the world and we tell stories. 
you know, five people all having the same experience aren't having the same experience at all. They're all having their own experience and they're all telling different stories about what, what this means and why it's happening. Yeah, right. um, so, so it's interesting, right, because it's not what happens to us that, that actually impacts us. It's a story we tell about why it happened and what it meant about us. Yeah, okay, like so our personal interpretation. Exactly. And we're making this personal interpretation as children. So you can imagine how messed up it gets. Yeah. Like I, I always, like, um, there, I think there's still some stigma around, uh, you know, the kind of therapy model laying on the couch, tell me about your relationship with your dad kind of stuff. Um, that people are a bit wary of, and I think for that reason the default is I don't want to, I don't have to go back. I shouldn't have to go back. Just be positive from today. Just believe today. Just just don't have any doubt today and move forward. Um, the problem with that is if you've still got this prevailing, disempowering story, well, it will undermine all future success because it's what you believe is true. Yeah. So right. I'm convinced you have to actually deconstruct the old story first before you can rebuild a new one. It, you know, it, it makes sense in the real world if you're going to you know, you know, renovate a house and the foundation's faulty, well, it's not going to be a smart idea to just whack a whole new house on top of a dodgy foundation no. because it might last for a couple of years, but you're going to have problems. So <laughs> you want this thing to work, well, okay, do the work and strip it right back and start again. And, you know, or you, what, you're doing up your car and it's full of rust, just the paint over it, great, looks excellent today, but the rust is going to come out. And yeah. So strip it right back. So all that to say, um, to go back to where these stories started, it is an essential part of the change process. And um, and it's and inevitably it's to go back to when we were kids because all the research around belief says by the time we're seven, we've decided pretty much most of our core beliefs about ourselves and how the world works and what to expect. So Yeah, okay. Um, Jeez. And so, so these stories get told then. And then they, you just find evidence for whatever you believe is true and they become self-fulfilling prophecies and they get evidence and they become our truth. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm always fascinated by people's stories and going back and hearing, you know, okay, where, where did this all start? And it's not the big bad things that people imagine. Um, sure, you know, sure, sometimes it is. Sometimes there's stories of abuse or there's neglect or there's some really painful big stuff. But often it's a really innocuous things. Um, I always remember a, a lady I was coaching who'd, um, you know, uncovered some insecurity in her 30s. And when we kind of went back to where did this start? When was the first time you told yourself you're no good? Came out was just the fact that, you know, she was a firstborn, um, which is an amazing experience to be the firstborn in a loving family and to have grandparents close by. You're the kind of center of the known world. Yeah. Um, and then her parents had baby number two for some strange reason, you know, in her mind. And and then <laughs> mum came home with, with postnatal depression and cried almost two weeks straight. And this little three-year-old, she had to make sense of her mum's sadness. And... And the way that she interpreted it was clearly this has got to do with me. You know, if I was a better kid, I could make my mum happy. I've always been able to make my mum happy, but now I can't. So there must be something wrong with me. So she's interpreted a difficult 
moment in their life where they'd all it had all been beer and skittles up until then, and then all of a sudden the first painful experience she thinks is about her. Which, as an adult, you go like, clearly, darling, that was not about you. <laughs> but as but as a three year old, you don't have that yeah. awareness, intelligence, and so you go, oh, geez, that must be about me. Wow. And then that gets inside her and then becomes the filter for future transactions and just gathers evidence and builds this whole story that she's not good enough to do what she wants and then it becomes this limiting thing and she gets stuck until she goes back and explores. Unpacks it. Unpacks it. Okay, where, did, where did this start? Is that really true? Am I really no good? Am I really not valuable? Did I really cause pain to my mum? Am I really that kind of person? And... Logically, if it's not your story, you can go back and go, oh, clearly that wasn't about you, it doesn't make sense, you've always been enough, you just decided you weren't, you're going to be okay. Um, when we do it for ourselves, it's, it's so much more difficult because, you know, you're waiting against this mountain of evidence that you've gathered yeah. your whole life. But the process is just the same. It's all a work right. of fiction. It's all made up. It's all this story, and the story's just never been reviewed. So... The process of reviewing it and changing it means that you actually can change your own opinion of yourself. Yeah, okay. How does that all feel? Yeah, some um, <laughs> some deeper digging to do, no doubt. Hmm. Yeah. Does it feel impossible? No, it doesn't. Hmm. No. I, I, I like the idea of thinking about this stuff as simple and hard. So people yeah, often okay. imagine their problems complicated and unique. Um, but that's just it's never the case. Like we all go through this kind of stuff and the way out of it is always the same. Um, it's not complicated at all. It's just hard. So. Yeah. But the cool thing is we do hard stuff all the time. Like, you're doing hard stuff every day of the week. So it's just hard stuff that's not getting you anywhere. So you may as well do hard stuff that actually is getting you somewhere. You know, so doing hard stuff's not the problem. Mm. Yeah. No, you're right. And I, I suppose I'd, I'd much prefer a bit to be doing hard stuff that I want to be doing. Well, exactly right. Yeah, hard stuff that's kind of, you know, is getting you more of what you want and leading to a more compelling future for you and your family. Mm. Yeah, right. There you go, eh? <laughs> um, so, how, so how are we going with the things you, you said you'd like, you know, this aha moment, these, these awareness, the ability to hear yourself say some things you'd never said before. Um, and if you could do that, you you got the sense that it would lead to more clarity about direction. How, yeah. how are we going with those things at the moment? I suppose it's... it's I've kind of realised that I, I really need to... Because uh, I suppose part of the fear is letting down the wife, you know, not not being good enough for her, in a sense that, you know, we've got 
goals and aspirations and so I suppose she has a similar fear but the fear isn't in that I'm not good enough her fear is probably um, it, it could be now that I think about it it could be a similar sort of fear that what if I don't succeed then it's the paying the bills and everything cascades from there. So I suppose I'm sort of realising that we need to have a, a conversation about that and yeah. sort of map out a, a, a plan of some sort to... Like, I, I yeah, don't think it for sure. would be wise sure. to just throw the towel in and go, right, I'm quitting tomorrow. Uh, no, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um yeah, rushing to action isn't going to solve the problem. There's some there's some work to do around your own story as the priority. Um, but yeah. just what you said there, um, you know, so, so step one is in the in the process is actually stepping in and being very clear about what the problem really is. But that's that's where this whole thing starts. If you're not clear about what the problem is, well, then how can you ever solve it? You're just throwing yeah. time and money into stuff that's never going to improve your situation. Um. You know, so interesting that that uh, like you're thinking around. Well, you know, what if I let her down? Um, you know, I don't want to let her down. But if you take that the next step by asking this question, and if that was to happen, what would that mean about you? What comes up for you when you think about that question? If I let her down, what? Yeah, what does that mean about you? That I. Not good enough. Exactly. So can, yeah, can you see that, that thing there? So you're actually not afraid of letting her down. You're afraid of what you think that means about you. Yeah. So again, it's actually your own opinion that you're not a good enough husband. What if yeah. you're not enough for her? What if there's some inadequacy with you? Well, that comes back to um, not backing myself. Well, yeah, this whole insecurity story, you know, because people, again, people get close to thinking about what the real issue is. I think they think, oh, I'm afraid of failure. It's like, well, no, you're not afraid of failure. Because imagine if that's the deepest level of fear, then you're stuffed. Because then the only way to solve that problem is to never, ever try anything ever again. That's the only way yeah. to protect yourself from failure. Like, have a look at anyone who's mildly successful, and they've got a thousand stories to tell you about when things didn't work out the way they wanted. Mm. But they don't make it define them, you know. So it's yeah. actually not failure that people are afraid of. It's that same question. And if you were to fail, what would that mean about you? Oh, yeah. If I was to fail, then that would prove that I am a failure. That would prove I'm no good. So they think. So that's what they're yeah. really afraid of, you know. So I'm afraid I'm going to let my wife down. Well, no, you're not afraid of that. You're afraid of this. If you did appear to let her down, what would that say about you? Well, you're no good as a husband. You're not good enough. Ah, there you go. That's what I'm really afraid of. You know, which is confronting but beautiful at the same time because it just means now, now you've got something to work with. Yeah. And the problem is entirely inside you. And if it's entirely inside you, it's 100% in your control and your responsibility. And you created this thing in the first place, so you can, you can so, undo this, you can change it. Yeah, right. So I've got to figure out at, at the pinpoint, it's its origins, so to speak, like you're saying. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't know whether you've seen that there's the seven essential practices to this. And and I I don't claim that I invented these seven. My work has been to make that seven clear. So I think people who have solved this problem over time have done it a certain way and they haven't missed parts along the way. So I think there are there are seven steps and practices that really do this this work well and like anything like any problem you're trying to solve someone's probably already solved it and yeah. and they probably did it a certain way and success leaves clues so it makes sense to go well what's best practice around solving this problem rather than trying to recreate the wheel or or bumble your way around okay well then what do i do and mm. um, i think that's the the whole intention of the insecurity project is going, okay, there's some there's some intelligent thinking around this. There's some clear frameworks. There's some stuff that actually works once you get clear, once you did, like, because most people will never do what you just did, by the way. Most people will yeah. never get clear about what the real problem is. They'll continue thinking the problem is outside of them and yeah. will remain stuck and hopeless and will dehumanise themselves for that reason because they don't know how to get out of it. Yeah, right. So sure, yeah. there's some work to do from here, but, <laughs> but, but like what you've seen right now, um, good luck unseeing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're going to go, oh, no, I'm just going to go back to the problem. No, no, the problem's the golden handcuffs. Even if you hear yourself say that, you'll hear someone else say that and you'll just inside, you'll go, mm, yeah, something's broken yeah. about that word to me now. <laughs> It doesn't make sense anymore. I can't even use that if I wanted to. I know it's not true anymore. Wow. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you have stepped through a door that will be um, difficult to go back through. And so you're on your way. You're on your way to actually solving this problem, which is really a beautiful thing. And I acknowledge you. Yeah, there's some work to be done, but it's good work and honest work and um, work that you have every ability to do. Yeah, cool. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for helping me. <laughs> well, yeah, no problems. And I understand that I've just opened up a can of worms and yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe even increased the pain levels, which is often what awareness does. Um, but that's so useful to the next leg of the journey for you and mm. um, yeah. yeah obviously there's more conversations to be had um, but yeah it seems like you got the two things that you were looking for today yeah I think I did yeah it was definitely um, a hard moment <laughs> yeah <for sure>. <laughs> <laughs> and if you keep pursuing this aha moment uh, do you think it's going to continue to laser focus your clarity around your direction and where you really want to be? Yeah, I, I think so. I, um, and not just saying yeah. I mm. think yeah, if if I if I keep going down the rabbit hole, um, I think I'll be able to set a plan and a, a plan on coming home and and. Pursuing something that I I want to do, something that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah great. And, okay. And 
sort of giving it a red hot go and and smash it yeah, out of the park. Beautiful. Um, that feels like a, a safe place to leave the conversation, knowing that this is real life stuff we're talking about here, and I've you know I've kind of opened a bunch of stuff for you, but it feels like you're okay with that amount of awareness and you know even though you know there's some stuff that's still undone and work to be done um is that okay to leave the conversation there yeah for sure Hmm. um okay well yeah thanks again willing to be uh vulnerable about something very personal for you and i'm sure that vulnerability will be very useful to anyone who hears this conversation so thank you very much yeah, no, thank you. I'm, uh, I was nervous at the start, but I'm, I think I'm relaxed now. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> now, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, for those of you who've been following my work for a while, uh, I've put out the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Uh, I'm convinced that insecurity can be overcome and not just masked, managed or avoided. Uh, But I think people who throughout time have found a way to show up to life unhindered have done so a certain way. There are keys that each of them have used and so my work has been to compile these ideas and and make sense of the stuff that's worked and, and deconstruct key ideas so they can be used and reproduced. So look, that's available on my website. Um, I'm particularly interested in having conversations about overcoming insecurity for entrepreneurs and even more particularly 35 to 40 year old entrepreneurs. I just think entrepreneurs have got skin in the game. They have such a desperate need to solve this problem because it's all them showing up in the world solving problems. So it's good for the world to have entrepreneurs uh, at their best where it matters most. So if that's you, uh, love to have a conversation jump on my website have a look at the seven essential practices and take the online assessment just to see how you measure up against these seven practices and how well you're doing and uh, look love, love to have a conversation with you if, if you think it could be helpful i'll talk to you again next week you've been listening to the insecurity project i hope you found the content and conversations useful and remember you are not just the actor in the story you are the storyteller you have the ability to turn this all around For more information about overcoming insecurity, check out theinsecurityproject.com.